This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 9. We're going to uh, step into this verse and pray. This is, this is what this verse says. After this manner, therefore pray ye. Let us pray this prayer together. We'll use debts instead of trespasses in this passage. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. When God began to deal with me about this message and and this time, you know, it's, it's amazing how God puts the right words into place, how God lines up things the way that he wants. As I felt to have them sing that song, We Believe, I didn't even remember the first line and and in the times of desperation. And and I thought about how we all find ourselves at times when our world is so chaotic, we're just desperate for a place to stand. We're looking for a solid rock to stand upon. You know, Friday when a call came into our church this last Friday of a tragic accident that it took the life of a, a man who had a birthday last week and turned 53, and, and they've been a part of this church for the last 12 years, and uh, that family had no clue what was going to happen this weekend. They had no clue what they were going to experience. As their, their mind is at that place right now, just trying to find somewhere to stand. There are times in our lives that we look for something that is broader than ourselves, Something that, that can possibly hold because we know that we're at the place of breaking. Does anybody understand those type of times that I'm talking about today? Something to hold on to until health actually returns to our lives to where we can feel like maybe we're healthy again. During those moments of, of doubt, and during those moments of despair, I don't know about you, but, but there's an enemy that shows up. There's a, there's a discouragement that tries to come. There's, there, there, there's an enemy that wants to say, nobody cares about you. There's an enemy that, that tries to say, nobody knows what you're going through. If they really loved you, if they really understood, but, but probably the greatest thing that the enemy comes and says is, he says, you don't have a prayer. There's no hope. There's not a chance, and that word almost always comes in, there's not a chance that you're going to make it through this. There's not a chance for you. There's not a prayer for you to make it. There's not a prayer for you to pull through. There's not a prayer that you're going to survive this. And and I think about it, and I feel the Holy Spirit as I'm speaking to you today. I feel like I'm in the room with people who understand that lie of the devil. You know when the devil shows up and he, and, and, and he says to you, there's not a chance you're going to make it. There's not a chance you're going to come out the other side. But here's what I want to declare today. And I, I tried to behave the first service. I, I tried to behave the second service. And I did okay, but I don't 
quite, quite frankly care if I behave or not in this service because I just feel the word of the living God. It, it's burning down inside of my soul that somebody needs to understand it's time for us to stop relegating prayer to the, the object of chance. That somehow, just maybe, that if we throw it up enough, that it'll finally stick. We did not come before a God who plays with a roulette wheel and if it falls on our color, then maybe he'll grant it for us that day. But we pray to a God who said, I am able to do more than you can ask or think or even begin to imagine. A God who's able to bring you through. We pray to a God who is faithful. We pray, my goodness, that's not even in my sermon, but we pray to a God who is just and, and his love goes beyond our imagination. His love is unending. His love is deeper than the depths that the world understands. There is no way you can outrun the love of our God. I have come to preach to you about a God who has made a way for you to communicate with him, a way for you to understand that he loves you. You see, prayer is much more than a spin on a wheel of fortune. Prayer is a direct line to God. Jesus said it this way, have faith in God. When you pray, have faith. Mark eleven twenty two. have faith. Faith is that moment when you don't know where you're going to stand, but all you know is on whom you're going to trust. Faith is that moment that you plant yourself in a decision that even if the waves are all around you, there's one beckoning you onto the waves and you're going to walk upon the water. You see, prayer is not a moment of chance, but prayer is a moment of faith. When the enemy tells you that you don't have a prayer, let me ask you a question. Is that true? Well, let's think about it for a moment. When the enemy tells you you don't have a prayer... Is it true? Do you have a prayer? I didn't say have you been given a prayer, but my question is do you have a prayer? You see, if we're looking for prayer at the last moment, if we just show up at that moment that the crisis hits us and we, we, we at that moment, you know, if we're trying to walk into an area that we've never walked before, then we might find ourselves in a little bit of trouble. Because prayer is ours to take. But the question is, when the devil says you don't have a prayer, is he actually speaking truth at that moment because you've not had a prayer? You've not brought prayer into your life. You've not invited God into your life and you've not been doing what God's called you to do. Is he actually speaking truth over your life at that moment? Have you actually realized that, hey, I better learn to talk to him now because the day's going to come when I can't see the light that I see now and the darkness is all that I feel. And it becomes, have you ever been in darkness so deep you can feel it? That the darkness surrounds you in such a way that, that you can't move, that you can't breathe. It's there in those moments. It's not a prayer you're searching for, but there's a prayer that's deep within you that's already been given to you that rises up out of you. And when you call, I found it's not prayers that sound like sermons that work. It's prayers that are from the depth of who we are and we call out to God. Amen. You see, you say, Pastor, I don't know how to pray. I can't have a prayer. But if you desire prayer, you have a prayer that you can live on. You can start living on a prayer. We have been given, we're doing a, a series beginning today the, of the things that God has given us that we ignore as Christians. We have been given the greatest, most powerful prayer ever, and it's a simple one. We have a prayer that heals, delivers, protects, empowers, and provides for those who pray it. In this last year, I have learned to cherish this prayer like never before. Like many of you, I have relegated this prayer to a place of spiritual irrelevance. I have placed it somewhere just ahead of, now I lay me down to sleep, and God is great, and God is good. 
I have put this prayer into the place where I have said only people that really don't know how to pray, pray this prayer. I'm being honest. I want to confess to you this morning that I was blinded by spiritual arrogance to one of the greatest treasures that Jesus has given us. You see, this simple prayer that we've prayed this morning is the prayer that Jesus told us to pray. Jesus said, but yet we've relegated it to a place for people who, who just really don't know how to communicate with God because then you quote those words and, 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 and we, we feel like it has that same, I'm telling you, I had it just, just, just beyond, now I lay me down to sleep. But this is what Jesus told us to pray. Now, I didn't come to this conclusion on my own. I sat in a room with one of the greatest communicators I've ever had the honor of knowing. I sat in a room with Dr. Mark Rutland, and he began to share with me his journey into this prayer. As he began to share with me his journey into this prayer, I I kept interrupting him because I was being fed, and and questions just kept birthing in my heart. And I received a copy of the book that he wrote on the very topic, and I want to encourage you to get 21 seconds to change your life. You see, as I listened to his story, as he communicated with me, I I started to see a reflection of my own story. The next time I went to prayer, the very next time I went to prayer, I began with my normal routine. You see, we'll say we don't want to pray the prayer that Jesus gave us because we don't want, if you're super spiritual, you'll say, I don't want to use vain babblings that, that, that they're repetitious things like people who really don't know how to pray. We'll say that. But our prayers sound the same. Here's what Mark Batterson said. Mark Batterson said, if your prayers were answered right now, How far beyond your family would they go? If every prayer you prayed today was like, God said, boom, there it is. Who outside of your family would be changed? Would the world be shaken by the glory of God? Would the anointing of God fill the earth? Would his presence change all that were around? Or would our children be blessed and kept safe? Our needs met and us just moving forward. You see, Jesus has given us a prayer to change the world. But yet we go into prayer and we say the same things. And then when I went into prayer that very next time, I found myself quoting the same things. And as normal, I began to be overwhelmed with my pain. Is there anybody else in this place that every time you try to pray, your pain comes knocking on your door? Every time you try to get near God, it's like something begins to stir up. My problems begin to stir up. My personal agendas begin to come to distract me for a moment. Or even even as it were, I don't even want to pray sometimes because I know if I pray, then Jesus is going to deal with me about certain areas of my life. You know, I preached a message several years ago. It's one of my favorite revelations God ever gave me about the man who was born blind and how that, that uh, he was used to people ignoring him when he would beg, how he was used to people uh, 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 pushing him out of the way, how he was used to people even hitting him or cursing him. But the one thing that he said he would never tolerate was that in that culture, you were the, if you spit on someone, they didn't even deserve to be alive. And, and so he's like, that's the one area. I might have to beg and I might have to scrape to stay alive, but I'm not going there. And what does Jesus do the minute he walks up to heal him? He spits. And can't you imagine the man's rage as he says, what do you mean the one thing I can't handle? He can't see what he's doing. You're doing that to me now. And most of us don't want to pray because Jesus walks in and he walks over and he touches the one area you don't want to give him. Let me make it a little more practical for you. We have a set of chairs in our home that are hand-carved chairs. We love these chairs. They're, They're beautiful, but one of them's broken. So that chair is not at the table. That chair's against the wall. When you come, anybody else know what I'm talking about? Give me a little grace. Okay, amen. When you come to our house, that's there for looks. It's not there to be touched. 
As a matter of fact, you sit in that chair, I'll probably be helping you up. All right? That's why it's there. It's just there because it matches everything else, but we don't use that. And that's the way some of us live our lives spiritually. There's areas of our lives that Jesus wants to walk in, walk right up to you and say, that unforgiveness is mine, that pain is mine, that struggle, if you'll give it to me, I'll heal you. But we go, I don't want to pray, God, because if I, if I let you in there, you're going to deal with that one thing that I don't want to let go of. Let me tell you something. I don't care how deep, how dark, and how bound you may be in that area, my Jesus wants to walk right in and and send the light and set you free and give you hope. But here's where I find myself not praying effective prayers that heal me. I find myself focusing more on who's hurt me. Is that anybody else? An amen might really help you, Pastor, right now. I find myself meditating more upon it. But here's what happened when I began to pray this prayer the Lord gave me in the middle of my pain it gave me a pillar to center myself with. You see, I call it a pillar because I believe that's what it is. It's a support to any Christian life. Just like other pillars in our lives, however, we become so distracted by what uh, our life around it. We, we can walk, I can walk around in here in the dark and never hit anything because I've been in here so long, it's engraved in who I am. Here's what I found about this Lord's Prayer, or if you were raised Catholic, you call it our Father. Here's what I found about it. Most of the time, I can quote it without even hearing it in my brain. It's there. I get distracted even in the middle of it. But Jesus said, herein is your victory. Here's how you pray. Here's how you communicate with God. Pastor, are you trying to tell me I shouldn't say anything else? No. What I'm trying to tell you is that every time that the enemy brought something into my life that tried to distract me, every time the enemy brought a pain into my life, what I did was I began to line it up with this. When I found myself thinking about my problem, when I found myself thinking about my struggle, I remembered my father who art in heaven. Okay, I'm thinking about the problem of how am I going to survive? How are we going to pay for this? How are we going to take care of this? All right, I know what part that is. My father, give us this day our daily bread. And when I brought myself back around to God's word, the problem didn't seem as big as the God who's able to meet the problem. When I'm dealing with how somebody's hurting me, it, it never fails. I'm like, God, please forgive me of what I did to you. And he's like, that, is there anybody else that every time you start to pray, the people that you don't like come into your mind? You're trying to be spiritual, and all you want to do is find them and slap them right between the eyes. Come on now, amen. You know what? I was like, I used to pray that prayer like this, God, if there's anybody out there. That I'm holding the debt against. Lord, as you've forgiven me, now I'm like, yep, I know who it is. That one, that one, that one. Because instead of focusing on them, I started bringing it back around to the Word. And the Word says, if they're interrupting my prayer because of the pain they've caused me, then I probably need to forgive them. And if I want, my goodness, I feel the Holy Ghost in what I'm telling you. If I want to be forgiven, then I better start forgiving. And it kept bringing me around. When you watch the news and you get upset, the kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, this prayer is being prayed every day, probably every minute of every day all around the globe. People will debate this prayer to see if it's a model of prayer or a model prayer. But the power is not in the debate, but rather in the act. A prayer. 
We don't know what Jesus' exact intentions were for the prayer, but this we do know. This prayer is still changing lives 2,000 years later. It's a simple prayer. It begins with praise. Then it moves to a petition for God's kingdom and God's will. Then a petition for daily providence. A petition for forgiveness and healing from unforgiveness. A petition for protection from sin and evil and the evil one. And praise yet again to close it. I think it's important to notice that prayer begins and ends with God and God alone. Our Father who art in heaven. It ends for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. You see, prayer should always begin and end with God. Dr. Rutland actually said it this way. He said, in between God's holiness and God's glory, I am free to express my needs, but what, what good are my petitions if God is not who He is? What good is it for me to take a prayer and pray it to someone I don't think is able to meet it? What good is it for me to take a prayer and simply rehearse it because that's what Christians do? Until you get God in His right place, never expect your prayers to be answered. But when you begin to put God in the place that He deserves, when you begin to realize just who He is, and you see a problem, you won't have to push it out there wondering if He's able. When you begin to realize who He is, you'll push it out there knowing that He's able. Because when you see who He is, and you are thankful for what He's done, you can, what did Romans say? It said that they lost who they were, because why? They weren't grateful for what He had done. But when you realize who He is, it changes everything. And once we recognize who God is, we have no problem handling the problems that have sidetracked us in the past. When we realize that He's a God of grace, my confession unleashes me. When I realize that He's sovereign, my submission to His will brings direction for my life. When I begin to understand that God has a plan that is greater than my plan. When I realize He's a provider, without Him, we cannot even feed ourselves. So why do we keep trying to be God in that situation and start letting God be God. When I pray for His protection, it keeps me from walking into every temptation. You see, I'm on a journey to rediscover the power of this prayer, and it's been changing. I'm telling you, I, I feel like this last year has been a year of pain. But in the middle of the pain, this prayer has become my pillar. I keep coming back to it. I'm going to do something you're not supposed to do at church. You're supposed to give it to the people and let them figure out what they want to do with it. Now, I'm going to take it, I'm going to use a dirty word this morning. Commit. How many of you would commit to reestablishing this prayer into your life? How many of you would be willing to say, I want to learn what Jesus was teaching me? Now you go, Pastor, I, I can pray in the Spirit. I can pray this way. I can pray. Listen to me carefully. God wants you to hear and understand that your prayer life doesn't have to back down because you begin to pray this prayer. It will step up because of the weapon God's called it to be in your life. You see, when you begin to realize that it's a weapon for your life, here's what we'll understand. That we can then do what Jesus intended us to do. 
The next time you're feeling disconnected and lonely, remember these words of the prayer. Our Father. Our Father. It begins with that revelation. The next time you see the news and feel like the world is spiraling toward oblivion, anybody else been there lately? Lord, thy kingdom come and thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. The next time you're overwhelmed with life, give us this day our daily bread. The next time you are facing temptation to sin or the next time you see yourself slipping into a failure, Father, forgive me of my sins. The next time someone else in their actions steal your joy and your praise, Father, I forgive them as I have been forgiven. When you realize that on your own, you will wind up right back in the mess you are in, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Maybe I'm the only one who feels this way, but I, I think there's more than... Maybe, maybe this was just for the other two services, but is there anybody in here who ever deals with sin? Okay, good, good. Not alone. You know, I found there's two kinds of sin. There's sin you don't see coming that just kind of smacks you right in the face. Boom. Where did that come from? Opportunities that you weren't expecting. Something flashes in front of your eyes. It just, just boom. Sin. But then there's sin that you saw coming and sin that you planned for, you bought, you made room for. Yeah, thanks for at least a couple of good amens there. Amen. Sin that comes that we know is coming. And I've shared this story with you before and I'm going to share it with you, I guarantee you, a hundred more times probably. But I'll never forget one time in my life I saw the sin coming. I could taste it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I could, I could taste the sin, and I'm not talking about my chocolate sin. Come on, amen. I could taste it. And as I saw that sin coming, I'll never forget what I said that day. I said, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me. I could still see that sin in front of me. I wanted that sin with everything in me. And it was like every obstacle in the world kept rising up in front of that sin. Boom, boom. I thought, what is the deal? And I was like, what is, what's the deal? And the Holy Spirit said, you asked for me, you, you asked for me to help you. And I said, yes, I did. <laughs> and he did. You see, lead me not into temptation and acknowledges that I'm going places I shouldn't be. And I want you to get this. Sometimes sin has your number. You don't think the devil doesn't know what buttons to push in your life? He's been pushing them all along. We had a man in our church tell me this one time. He had struggled with drugs. And he said, Pastor, he said, it has my number. It knows my name. It chases me. And I said, well, that's what sin does. He said, you don't understand. I can't get away from it. I said, well, man, you know, you've got to learn how to fight it. And he's like, but it finds me everywhere. And I said, what do you mean? 
He said, Pastor, I'm literally in a South Georgia field, nothing but pine trees and brush. He said, I'm just minding my own business, doing whatever I was. I'm thinking, what are you doing in a South Georgia field? He said, I'm out in the middle of the South. He said, all of a sudden I see dust coming, two guys in a Jeep swing around the corner, slide to a stop, start talking to me. He said, hey, man, you want to hit? He said, it finds me everywhere. And I said, but... Even though sin finds you everywhere, God was already there. And when you call unto him to lead you not into temptation, but deliver you from evil, he is faithful. For where sin is great, grace is even greater. And his grace is sufficient for you. Amen. You can live in freedom. There's power in this prayer. <laughs> You want victory? I didn't even, this is not in my notes, but you want victory? The next time that sin comes knocking on you, just start, just back up and do this. Our Father who art in heaven. I'm telling you, the devil will get so tired of you invoking the power of prayer, you'll find victory in that area. I'm telling you because I practiced it too many times. In an area where he used to make me mad all the time, I said, every time I get attacked this way, I'm going to start worshiping. Before long, it did not happen anymore. Why? Because I said what the devil means for bad will turn for good. And if you'll begin to say, God, I see it coming. I know I'm stupid, but your grace is greater. Matter, matter of fact, just do what the word says. Grace, grace, grace. And as you begin to call out for grace, God's grace will strengthen you through the storm. Amen. Amen. Well, I feel this this morning. Here's one last danger the scripture helps us with. When you catch yourself relishing in the mirror of your own accomplishments, remember, for thine is the kingdom, thine is the power, and thine is the glory forever. Amen. There's a key here, though. It's a very simple key to unlocking the power of this prayer in your life. And it's the very first words. It's, again, I told you if you were raised Catholic, this is how you call this prayer, by these first two words, our Father. That's the key to the whole thing. Now, my, my baby daughter, she understands probably how to pull her daddy's strings more than anybody in our family. But I always know either if I'm in trouble or if she wants something. Because if, if I'm in trouble, which happens quite often, I'm father. Father, I need you to do this. Father, don't forget again. Is there any other dads who understand what I'm talking about? Amen? Father, but if she wants money. <laughs> Daddy. <laughs> it's gotten to the point, I'm like, how much? <laughs> I'm like... I, I know what the request is because of the connection you've shown me. You see, some of you can't make the request because you've not established the right connection. You feel like God's not existent in your life. You feel like you don't even know if God's existent in your world because you don't know Him as Father. You see him as judge. You see him as maybe non-existent. You see him as fairy tale. You see him as, at best, a deadbeat dad because he's there and we're here. But you see, the way you acknowledge him 
is what changes the request. When I begin to realize he's my father. Now imagine this for just a moment. There is a demon that billions of people of this world pray to every day. There's, there's really. He was considered the demon of mischief. They'll throw their, their prayer rugs down and they'll bow on them and they'll touch their heads to the ground over and over again until they'll have calluses. The devout will have calluses on their forehead multiple times every day for no answer to ever come. I read a statement actually earlier today that said this, isn't it amazing that our God will take a little bit of faith and do a whole lot of amazing things in our lives. And the way that's found is when I stop seeing him as my judge and I stop seeing him as all the people that have hurt me just tell you what it just put in my heart and I no longer see him as the failure that I feel I myself am and I see him as the father that he is my father no longer having to come before him as a terrible terrible being but the Bible says that now we walk boldly to the throne of grace crying Abba translated into English daddy Daddy, I want your will to be done in this situation. Daddy, I don't know who's going to be in this, and I don't know what this is going to be, and I don't know how this is going to work out, but not my will, but thy will, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Daddy, I don't know what to do about all the things I'm facing, but would you provide my daily bread? I, you know what? I just, I just, I heard an arrogant statement of a church that said they don't pray this prayer because... They're not going to settle for bread. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word of the bread that proceeds from the mouth of God. Every word. Father, I have sinned. Daddy, I failed you. Help me to be forgiven even as I forgive those who wounded me. I've been wounded today. Today, I've been wounded. And during worship, I said, God, forgive me even as I forgive others. And lead me, Daddy, not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. For thine is the kingdom. You are God of my life. You are the one who's able, for thine is the power. And when it's all said and done, you're the one that's going to do the work. For yours is the glory forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever with every head bowed and every eye closed and nobody looking around there are people here who desperately want to serve God who desperately want to know God but you know 
You know right this moment you've had the wrong perspective of him. You've not seen him as a father, and maybe it's because you did not know how to really view a father. All of the fathers in your life have let you down. But today, you want to confess that. You may have even confessed Christ in your life, but you realize you've got a wrong perspective of God. If that's you today, can I just see your hand right where you are? If you say, God, I want you to give me the right perspective of you. Thank 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 you. Hands all over this place. You can put those down. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I know I can't walk in the power of this prayer because I've not walked in the first two words of this prayer. I've never made God my Father. I've never surrendered to Him, and I feel the Holy Spirit of God. Somebody, God's come. This is your day. This is your time. You want to know Him as your Heavenly Father. This is it. This is the moment you've been waiting for, the time that the enemy told you would never come when you'd be made right with God. The Bible says that if you will believe in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead and you would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord with your mouth, that you would be born again your eternity would be changed and you'd come in the right relationship with God. It's really simple. Nobody's going to embarrass you. I didn't embarrass any of these others that just raised their hand. But if you're here today and you say, I'm ready today to make my life right with Jesus Christ. If that's you, can I see your hand right where you are? Would you just hold that up high? As I'm looking around, everybody's praying, thank you. Everybody be praying with me. As I'm looking around, just hold it up high. Are there others that would join with you? Every service, lives have been changed today as people are coming to know God as their Father. It's worth that. It's worth the step. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I've prayed this prayer before, but I've not been living right. And I want this day, this day in May, to be the day that I surrender to my Heavenly Father the way I should. And you want to rededicate your life to join with these. Can I see your hand if that's you today? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. those down. There's so many hands this morning. If someone's near, you don't have to step across the aisles or anything, but if someone's near, you just reach over and take their hand. Somebody prayed this prayer with me. I remember, I'll never forget the, the person who knelt beside me and helped me pray. And today we're going to pray this prayer with those of you that just responded for the very first time. We're going to confess God as our Father, Jesus as our Lord. The Bible says if we make this confession, we are changed for all eternity. Let's pray together now. Jesus, by faith, I believe your promise. Heavenly Father, I repent of my sins. You see my past, my present, and my future. I give it all to you. I cannot undo the things I've done, but I am sorry. And in Jesus' name, I receive your grace. I'm forgiven. From this moment forward, I believe the Jesus that died for me is now my Savior. Heaven is my home, and you are my Father. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for those that prayed that today. I thank you for those who said, I need the right perspective. God, I thank you that you are going to reveal to all of these today the fact that you are their Father and you are good 
and you are faithful and your mercy endures forever. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your goodness and your greatness. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, give God a praise this morning. Amen. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at Warhill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.